Nighttime is the right time to talk sports. That's a euphemism, right? It's John Chuggery and more of the Nightcap. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. I'm just laughing I because I... The quick story, Chuckery in the Key Studios here with you on this Wednesday evening. That promo, that that little sounder. Yeah. That my original plan was to call the show the Nightcap because that's what Sam Mitchell and I called our show because we were usually on late night weekends. Right. And so we were the Nightcap. And I was going to name my show that, but Terry who was the program director at the time, mm-hmm. he said, no, oh, no, 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 no. you, you got to name it the John Chuckery Show. you got to put your name <laughs> on it and everything like that. Because I was going to call it the Nightcap, the Nightcap with John Chuckery. Like <clears throat> no, 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 no. you got to – no, no, you got to – you got to – you got to make it the John Chuckery Show. Okay. So that, that, that promo should have been wiped out by now. <laughs> like that little sounder, yeah. what, whatever it is, whatever you call it. That thing should have been wiped out by now off the face of the earth because whoops. So, I mean, it's it's funny because that goes back that goes back years. I think I got promoted in 2018, 2018 or 2019 or whatever like that. Mm-hmm. And so it goes back to that point. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so it's just kind of funny when <laughs> when I hear that. There there are a couple of those there are a couple of those in there that that Aren't supposed to be played. I mean, it's all right now. Sneak I mean, past, you know, they sneak past the cracks. Yeah, oldies but goodies and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, so all right. So here's what we're gonna do. Andy and Randy had Landry Fields on the show today, and rather than we'll just play the interview, we're gonna hear what um, Landry Fields had to say, and then respond to what he had to say, as we usually do when we have Arthur or you know, uh, Arthur Blank or somebody like that on, you know, we always kind of do this thing. So, uh, and I did hear the interview today with, with Andy and Randy. I made sure I tuned in and, and listened in. So you're welcome, Andy and Randy. Um, anyway, all right, here's uh, Landry Fields talking about why now. Yeah, hey, guys, thanks for having me. Um, look, I, it, this is something I'm monitoring over the past, uh, past over some time here. And it's just we need a new voice. Um you know, and that's just that's something that looking uh, and keeping a pulse on where we're at, you know, where we ultimately want to be this season and even beyond, uh, felt like it was the right time to do that. But I think it's, it's very important to say that a new voice in that seat doesn't necessitate the fact that uh, everyone's got to take ownership in this thing. You know, like it, the, regardless of who is in that, you know, players got to make sure that they're they're owning their own stuff as well, holding each other accountable and, um, you know, buying into to our objectives for the rest of this year. Well, what I would say to that is how long have we been monitoring it? Be- because this has been an ongoing problem. And look, <coughs> while I understand that the Hornets game and the Knicks game right going into the All-Star break weren't exactly up to par why don't you just fire Wednesday night and just get it over with and be done with it? I, I Again, the timing of this whole thing leaves me scratching my head a little bit. Okay, if you thought you needed a new voice, why would you not do that with time to play? I mean, they have 28% of their schedule left. So they're almost three-quarters of the way through the season. 
How much are you going to affect with 23 games left of the season? I understand you're a game here and a game there and all that kind of stuff, but by the time you get adjusted to the coach and this and that and other, it's going to take some time. Like, how how much can you do in a 23-game sample size? Um, here's Landry Fields talking about were the last two games the final straw? I think that you never want to put too much stock into one or two games, but I, I do believe that that was definitely significant um, for us. I, you know, I looking at our game against Charlotte and then how we came out um, in New York, right, those were definitely factored in. Well, then just fire him after the game. I mean, the the Charlotte game was a complete embarrassment, and then it got worse at home, blown out by the Knicks in a game you weren't even competitive in. You were never competitive in that game on your home court, needing a victory. You should just get up there and just, look, he did a late-night press conference when he talked about the trade deadline, right, when he talked about Sadiq Bey and all that, and that wasn't even a legitimate trade at the time. It hadn't even gone through the league and everything. It was it was announced, but it you know it ended up that that trade got delayed, and you you couldn't have fired him afterward. All right, here's Landry Fields talking about how we describe what this season has been for the Hawks. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's definitely been a year. Um, you know, we, we made the the midseason change. Uh, you know, from the front office. You know, that's something that puts. It puts a lot of a lot of burden on our coaches and our in our players, um, and even now with this, like I understand, like with who's left right now, the the position that I'm putting them in. But in order for us to to level up and to get to where we need to go, you know, to become that championship caliber franchise, like these are these are necessary decisions, and they're hard, but at the at the same time, um, we're making them so that we can continue to advance and, and transform. of the way through the season? Hmm. Uh, Here's Landry Fields talking about um, what are you telling the guys that you are inquiring about to be the next head coach? Well, look, I mean, it starts with with a shared vision, you know, where we ultimately want to go, making sure that we're aligned there on uh, on that as well as the values. And we've, we've placed a strong emphasis on development strong emphasis on character, specifically in the area of emotional intelligence and the ability to unify, connect one another, not just as a staff, but from coaches to players, players to coaches um, and, and the like. And so I look at our organization, I look at our city, I look at our fan base, the talent on this team, uh, you know, how things are progressing here and shaping up from a front office standpoint, like all these are really, really important, you know, down to our ownership too. Like I, we have a lot of good qualities that I think are very attractive and, uh, and I'm sure, and I know, you know, individuals will see those. Based upon what he just said, then that means Emmy Aduka or Adoka is out, right? I mean, if we're talking about high character and all that kind of, and by the way, if you think that Oduka or, or Udoka, Udoka. Udoka. Udoka was let go and suspended because he cheated on his wife, then you don't know anything. You, you really don't know anything. You, you should just, at this point, sit this one out, okay? It's not why he was suspended. That's not why he's getting fired from the Celtics and all that kind of stuff. But what Landry Fields just said Udoka isn't a candidate in the sense that 
if you're going after those kinds of things, high character and all that kind of stuff, then you can't bring a guy like that in. Or you've just contradicted everything you just said. And again, well, okay. All right, here's uh, Landry Fields on how close this franchise is to where you want it to be. Oh, well, we part of that and how I've always described it in simple forms is about being championship caliber. And that's, that has everything to do, not just that has everything to do with, with the goals of winning a championship, but also the process and the system in which we have in place our day in and day out approach um, to how we handle our work and how we connect with one another. And so to say we're close, um, you know, it's not, it's, it's an already, but not yet. We are doing things that are going to promote that, but we have a lot of work to do. Okay, realistically, if you're championship caliber and you look at the totality of the NBA, Don, let me ask you, would you say that the Hawks are in the bottom third of the entirety of the NBA? Bottom third? First Ah. third, second third, bottom third. They're lower bot or lower second third, I would say. Yeah, I I think they're hovering around yeah. the top of they're, that bottom third. Yeah, they're just above bottom third. Yeah. All right, here's uh, what Landry Field said about the timetable for the coaching hire. Well, you know, since um, since making the change yesterday, we've already begun our process. You know, we want to move um, as quickly as possible. We don't have a, an exact time frame on it, but um, if something makes sense, you know, we'll pull the trigger right. sooner rather than later. Well, as Sam Mitchell and I discussed, the worst thing you could do would do to this in a quick way. The, the worst thing you could do, and, I, and I'm hoping that they have some more of their ducks in a row with all of this because it's not a surprise out of nowhere, Cinderella story out of nowhere, right? I, I'm hoping that they have their ducks in a row on all this. But the smartest thing you could do would be to bring in a bunch of candidates, whether they're available or not just yet, and interview all those guys. Because you don't get this hire right, ain't nobody going to be around. Not Landry Fields, not the coach. Ain't There's going to be some house cleaning. Uh, here's Landry Fields on how much input Trey Young will have on a new coaching hire. Uh, with, uh, with that, you know, we we set what our organizational values are, and that's from players to coaches to staff. And so the input that he has is, is done. Like, we know what we want to set. We know who we want to be. And um, we want to make sure that we're all on the same page as it aligns with our organization. So he understands where we're at. He understands the moves that we make. And, of course, we're always going to be communicating, not just with him, but all of our players, you know, on next steps and how we're, we're thinking about things and what we want to build out. But it all starts with everyone getting on the same page and understanding, like, this is what it means to be a Hawk, and we're going to continue to build that way. All right, so when we play Sam Mitchell at 940, he talked about this. Players need to stay in their lane. Coaches need to stay in their lane, you know, front office and all that. There needs to be that separation. And you don't want a guy – who's being consulted about what the next coach is going to be. Um, here's uh, Fields on, could Prunty be uh, given the full-time job? <laughs> uh, the, uh, the only thing I've talking with Joe about, talking with, I mean, a, a lot of things, but specifically to that question is he just needs to focus on the task at hand. Mm-hmm. Right now, we've got a game here in a couple days. Uh, we've got a lot of, a lot of challenge coming, challenge. 
with the dynamics of play as well as the teams that are going to be coming into our home building. So my communication with him is just take it one game at a time, focus on the task at hand. I'm empowering him to do whatever he needs to, to do to win ball games, and we'll support him and we'll chat through things along the way. Well, again, uh, that means he's got no shot, okay? Uh, let's just call it like it is. And, and I try to tell some people on, on Twitter he's got no shot to, to be the coach. But they want him to be responsible for winning and getting the playoff. Anyway, all right. Um, fields on who has the say on, on basketball decisions. I do. That's okay. it. <laughs> okay. Um, on players, most likely. On money decisions, on being at the luxury tax, on head coach, general manager, I don't buy that. And I don't buy it. Yeah, your backup point guard, Landry Fields, is going to make that basketball decision, okay? Your head coach isn't going to be solely a Landry Fields hire. And and, and not a bad thing. I mean, again, we talk Tony Ressler is going to be involved. He's going to be involved. He's going to be hands-on with it. He's going to have some say. And, by the way, I think that part of the falling out with the last general manager is the fact that Travis Schlenk wanted to go in the luxury tax. Tony Ressler didn't. You're at an impasse as to how you can build your roster. If Tony Ressler says, we're not going in the luxury tax, you can either leave the position or you can abide by his rules. So that may be, you know, basketball to sit, whatever. You got to play within his framework of rules. All right, let's get one more. Um, Here's his message to uh, Hawks fans. I I, I would tell them to hold strong, to as best they can, put faith in us, and uh, you know we're going to get the right person here for the job. Does it sound like they got cancer? Like that? Like that's what you would say to somebody who's on their deathbed with cancer, and they're going to pass soon. My favorite part of that that answer is the deep sigh that he takes yeah. before he answers it because he knows, like, okay. Oh, well, what... <laughs> you know, Hawks fans, I want you to stay strong. Um, we're pulling through. Say your prayers. Eat your vitamins. Drink your milk. Um, maybe we'll pull through this. I mean, it's like a cancer patient on his deathbed, the way that sounded. All right, coming up, that's life. I've got some uh, fun little historical autograph auctions, and we'll get to our top ten based upon a certain day today. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92 on the game, odyssey.com app. Nights with John Chuckery. The number one show in America, again. Sports Radio, 92.9, the game. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Back with you, John Chuckery Show. 9.22, live from the Kia Studios. You know what time it is. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. 404-741-0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey apps, how you catch us when you are on the go. Social media at 929 The Game. On Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Follow me at JMCH316. We got Dom producing tonight. We'll get to our top 10 here in just a couple minutes. 940, we'll replay our interview with Sam Mitchell from earlier in the show. So, Dom, I'm always fascinated by these 
auctions that pop up on heritage auctions and different things like that. Right. And we usually do a lot of sports card and sports memorabilia. And and nowadays, these sports cards, these trading cards, like baseball cards and basketball cards, yeah. they're selling for millions and millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. But listen to some of these auctions that just recently happened. So a signed manuscript granting safe passage um, signed and written by Abraham Lincoln, a full document written and signed by Abraham Lincoln to allow safe passage for some people, only sold for $18,125. Interesting. Now, here's one from a, a, this is a um, autographed letter signed on the construction of the University of Virginia. So a letter commemorating the University of Virginia being built, written and signed by Thomas Jefferson. $23,750. Wow. Like, that's nothing. Nothing, yeah, for, like, and, like, that, it's funny you said that Abraham Lincoln one, and it immediately made me think of the movie The Hateful Eight, where Samuel Jackson, he Mm -hmm. has his fake Abraham Lincoln letter that he's telling everyone. Um, A George Washington signed military discharge from the Revolutionary War. A full, authentic military discharge. Yeah. Signed and filled out by George Washington. $20,000. Like, that's... That's crazy. These... A what? Mike Trout card sells for five say, million. Look at what we value in America. Right. <laughs> look at it, what we it, value. It's crazy. And then here's one last one: a George Washington autographed document. It's a full-page letter, written and signed by George Washington, twenty-three thousand seven hundred fifty dollars. You can't even buy. A Mickey Mantle 52 tops that's graded out like a three for that. Not even close. Yeah. Like these (laughs) Mickey Mantle baseball cards are sent for $10 million. And we've got George Washington documents written and signed by him that are selling for like 20 grand. Like that's crazy. Crazy. All right. Um, How about these two as well? You've, you've heard of the movie Deadpool? Love it, actually. Okay. okay. At the 2016 San Diego Comic-Con, okay, 20th Century Fox gave away 100 VHS copies. You know what a VHS is? I, I do. I actually had one of the small TVs that had the VHS player built into exactly. it back in the day. Yep. yep. They gave away 100 VHS copies of the movie Deadpool, and they were signed by Ryan Reynolds, okay? Awesome. So a VHS videotape that you can't even play most can't likely. Can't even use, really. Yeah, I'm right. And it's and look, I mean, Ryan Reynolds is a star, but let's let's face it, he ain't Thomas Jefferson or George Washington. Right, right, right. It sold for $10,000. $10,000. So I can have a full-page letter for twice of what this costs from George Washington. Yeah. For, and, and this thing cost $10,000. One more. Did you ever see the original Superman movie with Christopher Reeve? Not all the way through, but I've seen bits and pieces. Okay. 
1980 edition of Superman. And this is not VHS. This is Betamax, the smaller one. Okay. So in the old days, <laughs> you had VHS or Betamax, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And then Beta went away. Mm-hmm. Okay. 1980 Superman um, Beta movie. It sold for $40,000. $40,000. And it's in its it's in its plastic and everything like Pristine that. Pristine condition, yeah. so to speak. <laughs> if you can find a Betamax player on Earth, <laughs> good luck to you. Right. Not, not that you would play it because you'd have to open it up and all that kind of stuff. But that's worth $40,000. But yet a George Washington letter... I was <laughs> written and signed by him is twenty grand. I was gonna say I'll trade you two George Washington yeah, uh, letters like, for that for that Superman. Like how cra- how crazy is this kind of stuff? How crazy is this kind of stuff? And and these baseball cards are selling for millions of dollars. You know that Mickey Mantle fifty two tops that was a uh, mint condition sold for yeah. ten million dollars. Yep. We talked about that on Friday. Yep. Wow. Anyway, uh, crazy stuff. All right. Today is National Margarita Day. You a margarita fan? Love them. Gosh, yuck. <laughs> uh, so with that, tonight's top ten list, because I do not like margaritas. In fact, I've got several of these things on my list that involve tequila. Tonight's mm. top ten list, top ten least favorite mixed drinks. Dom, the floor is yours. Okay, so this was hard for me because I do enjoy, like I have a pretty large palate and I enjoy like a bunch of different types of uh, drinks and alcohols and things like that. So Mm -hmm. I couldn't get 10, but I have six. Okay. First up on my list, extra dry martinis. Because what is the point of an extra dry martini? The entire point of a martini, you get it, you get your vodka, whatever you put in there, whether it's vodka, gin, whatever you want to put, you need the vermouth to kind of cut some of that. Yes. And then you add whatever it is. I like mine very dirty, so I like with the olive juice and olives. Yes. The point, an extra dry martini, for those of you who don't know, is literally just vodka or gin, chilled, shaken up, and then poured into a glass. Yes. I don't understand. I, I don't mind a dry martini like that. I, I don't have a problem with that. I'll get to my list because I do have a problem with some martinis, but I don't have a problem with either, you know, the, the um, you know, what do you call it, a dirty martini yeah. or a dry martini. Mm-hmm. All right, next up. And I and, and I think the a big reason was I wanted to keep these to things that I've actually tried. Uh-huh. So there's something that's called a smoker's cough. Okay. Um one of the many terrible decisions I made in college. It is literally just Jaegermeister and mayonnaise. Oh. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh. Yeah, is is I didn't make the best decisions in college. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um Next, after that, I have anything mint chocolate flavored. Uh, mint and chocolate to me is an abomination of a combination. Um, it's like just putting toothpaste on a chocolate bar. So any mint chocolate flavored drink uh, is a no-go for me. Um, anything mixed with uh, the specific brand of Svedka. Uh, that vodka oh, did yes. a number on my stomach in college. And okay. it's another one. Of the, like I look at the bottle and I get nauseous. Um, after that, uh, these last two are shots, um, Jaeger bombs. I used to be able to do them. Can't I've got do it that. Today. I've got that on my list. The <laughs> idea of Red Bull and Jaegermeister. <laughs> why don't you just listen? Yeah. In all honesty, at 51 years old, with all the health problems I've had, 
I would rather you just shoot me in the head than drink a Jaeger bomb <laughs> yeah. in, in, uh, in my life right now. So, And I can actually, I, I know exactly what it was that turned me off from Jaeger, uh, specifically, was there was one night where a friend of, a friend and I, we were working together um, in college, and we had, like, the place to ourselves. And so we were like, hey, we're closing up. We, I, I had a bottle of Jaeger left over. They went to the store real quick and bought, like, a whole bunch mm-hmm. of Red Bulls, and we were just like, we'll just do Jaeger shots oh. until we get off. Whew. Yeah, yeah I, that was I, a bad morning. That was a bad yeah, morning I, the I, day after. I, again, I, if, 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 if that was my two options, shoot me in the head, <laughs> Jaeger bomb, I'd say, you yeah. know what? Make sure the bullet goes all the way through my <laughs> It goes skull. all the way okay? through. Yeah. Clean kill. Wow. All right, and number one, um, again, this is a shot that I've actually tried. It is called a prairie shot. Okay. It is. Uh, I've heard of that. <laughs> I don't know that I've tried it. So it is gin, a raw chicken egg. So, you know, you just oh, crack it open. Yeah, yeah, I know what it that is. It is pepper yes. and Tabasco. Yes. And you throw it back. Um, yeah, I mean, not ideal. <laughs> I, I've had worse things than that. I mean, shots of Yukon Jack and things like that. But, uh-huh. yeah, yeah I, it, I can understand that. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I again, I, I I knew I'd heard of that, and as soon as you said the egg, it was like, okay, I've yep. I've I've heard of that. Yeah. So, because you try to get like the yolk up on it. Yeah, you try. Yeah, yeah it's, you it's, float it's, the yolk and all that. It's all kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for your list though. What you got? All right, Jaeger bombs is definitely on my list. Um, uh-huh. I am not a fan of margaritas, and, and I am not a fan of of. So I'm not a fan of tequila. So drinks. I was gonna say, and that's where we probably differ, is because I love yep. tequila. Nope. I margaritas. Tequila Sunrise, nothing for me on that spectrum. Okay. Um, Cosmopolitans or Cosmos. Yeah. I've never had one, but I, I've always heard about them, never had Too one. Fufu Shishi and all that it's kind a, of it's stuff. It's a woman's drink. It's sex in the city and stuff like that. Um, any flavored martini, chocolate martini, apple teeny, all that kind of stuff. I, I can do dry martini. I can do a dirty martini. But all that other folderol. So I'm with you. The only the only exception for me, espresso martinis are delicious. Yeah, I'll do no an espresso thanks. martini. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not going down uh, that road. Um, I don't even like Irish coffee. Like any, really, I don't like. Listen, I love my coffee and I can't uh-huh. live without it. Yeah, but I'm not putting. I don't want things all in my coffee. <laughs> like, I understand. Just coffee, splash a half and half. Let's move on. Yeah. Okay. When I want to drink. I drink. I drink. <laughs> when I want coffee in the morning, I want coffee in the morning. That's I don't, fair. I don't want all those crazy uh, things like yeah. that. Um, have you ever had a grasshopper? Have, have you ever had a grasshopper? Mm-mm. What's that? It's, I don't even know all the liqueurs in it, but it's like cream de menthe liqueur, uh, and it's green, and okay. it's just yeah. nasty. You lost it's me already. nasty yeah. and creamy yeah. and yeah. all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, I don't like black russians i don't mind a white russian okay okay but i don't like black, black russian okay and i'll well i'll i'll talk about this drink sometime that we named a cocaine lady um that's sort of like a white russian but with a little twist and things like that to it um then my last two tom collins like mm-hmm. it's just too i i like mojitos yeah and i i like some of those drinks but Tom Collins is just too much sugar yes. and sweetness and, uh-huh. and 
the fruit. It's just it's it's just too much for me. And then my ties, like my ties. My ties, no. Yeah, my, like my ties night. is an old fashioned. It's it's not a go to for me, but I can enjoy one. Do you like? Okay, so my favorite, my personal favorite shot is a pickleback. Um, I don't know what that is. So it's literally, basically, literally all it is is you take uh, like a shot of typically Irish whiskey, so like Jameson or something like right. that, and then you immediately chase it with pickle juice. It's it sounds crazy. They it is. pair no, no, so no, no, well no. together. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> it is crazy. Okay, but it but works. Let's, let's establish it is crazy. Yes, <laughs> when I hear that, it is crazy. Name one genius who isn't crazy. Yeah. Well, again, I guess I'm crazy then. Anyway, so um, all right. When we come back, we will hear from Sam Mitchell. Good interview with Sam. Uh, lots of good information and stuff from him. Sam's the best in the business. I love Sam. Love him to death, and uh, we'll hear from him up next. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 1990 Game, Odyssey.com app. So who is this person? It's John Chuckery. Are you sure? Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. And a lot to get and a lot into here as my guy, former NBA coach of the year, my friend Sam Mitchell is joining us here. And um, Sam, how the heck are you, man? How you been? <laughs> John, I can't complain, my friend. Doing just well. How about you? Well, listen, uh, we may talk off air. You know, I had a health setback here uh, recently, so we uh, we're back at it here over the last month or so. But uh, we'll we can talk about that at another time. But um, you know, Sam, I loved what Dominique Wilkins' response to J.J. Reddick's comments were with you the other day. What did you think about that whole thing about what he said? Uh, you know, first of all, I just couldn't believe it that he forms his mouth to say something like that. J.J. knows better. And, I, you know, sometimes you have to wonder, do guys say stuff just to get a reaction? And, and to your point, was classic. And, you know, everybody has a right to their opinion, but I really, really try to be open-minded when we talk about, you know, things that happened in the 80s and 90s and, and things now. And I give the players today credit. Talent-wise, individual-wise, oh, they're better than we were. You know, when you look at how talented and how these guys play, but there's something missing. Maybe it's that little extra, that little love that we call it or whatever, but there is something missing. But as far as talent, you can't complain about that. So, you know, with regard to the Atlanta Hawks, uh, I've said that everybody's hands are dirty in this. Players, coaches, front office, ownership. How do you see this whole situation with the Atlanta Hawks firing Nate McMillan with 23 games to go? Well, John, it's tough, man. Been, been in that situation. You know, as a coach, you know you have to be fired. But to get let go this late into the season, especially when you're Nate McMillan, who's been such an accomplished coach and who kind of turned this this franchise around a couple of years ago. But it's the part of the business that's ugly, that's unfortunate. And uh, But, you know, I think Nate's an unbelievable coach. But for whatever reason, and there's a lot of speculation on why they're making a change, but for whatever reason, the Hawks are deciding to go in a different direction. And I really hope – as someone who was born and raised in Georgia, who lives here now, would like for the Hawks to get the right guy. And uh, there's some good candidates out there. We keep hearing some names. But, you know, I, I, I just hope they get the right guy because, you know, 
we need something different in this town. How how much? I mean, honestly, how much of a spark do you think that firing a coach with twenty three games left in the season can can light a fire under this team? I mean, you know, they're kind of in that no man's land, as you always talk to me about, and it's just I I don't I mean I don't understand you know twenty three games left how much of a spark that you can really get this team to to play that much better down the stretch? Well, John, you tend to play a little bit better because not only do the players look around the room and realize that, you know, you, you fired the coach, but then after the coach, who's next? You know, the players are not stupid. They understand that when a team is underachieving and the coach is always going to take the initial blow, after that, there's a restructuring coming because whoever they bring in – some guys may like you, some guys may not. You may not be some guy's cup of tea. There are going to be changes. And if there's no change with 22 games or 23 games to go, then guess what? This summer we'll start trading and, 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 and rechanging, shaping this roster. So it should be a little jump. But at the end of the day, when you look at the East and Western Conference, the Hawks, they've underachieved a little bit, but they just, have, just haven't played up to the quality that the teams ahead of them have played. Sam Mitchell joining us here on the waitforward.com hotline, former NBA coach of the year. So do you think that from a timeline, because Landry Fields talked about on one hand, he said that earlier today that maybe they could make a move before the end of this season as far as hiring a coach. And then he also said, well, it could be summertime when, when we hire a coach. Realistically, when you're going through that process, you know, how quick, I mean, what would be the point of bringing somebody else in here at this point with a handful of games left and not knowing what the future of this roster is going to bring? Does it make any sense to bring in somebody new into this organization this quickly? It wouldn't make sense to me, John, but, you know, if, if, a, if a GM does that, that means he's already had someone strongly, strongly in mind. They've already pretty much – uh, consummated the deal. It's just how do you and when do you introduce this guy and bring him in. But if I was you, I'm with you, John. I would take my time. Look, we've been hearing the name Quinn Snyder. His name's been, you know, all over ESPN and on local news. And, and Quinn's a good candidate. I know Quinn. But I also think there are some other good candidates. I think, you know, you would have to look at a guy like Emei Adoka. When you're talking about changing the culture, and I think the Hawks need a culture change, Look at what he did in Boston. Then you look at some assistant coaches out there. Sam Cassell. You know, you look at a guy like that, Damon Stoudemire in Boston, who's done a tremendous job also. So I think it's some other guys out there. And if I was Landry Fields, I would put together an extensive list, and I would sit down this summer, and I would really interview guys and just get deep because you can't keep firing coaches. This is You're going on your third coach, you know, in about, you know, three years, something like that. So you can't keep doing that, and you don't want the narrative out there that your organization organization is not you know, functioning properly. So I wouldn't rush to bring anybody in right now. I would do my due diligence because there are some good candidates out there, but I would really, really you know, take my time before I bring in the next coach. Now, you, you obviously live here, and, and you've got some understanding of this franchise. How involved do you think Tony Ressler is in all of this decision-making? How, how much do you think that there's separation between what Landry Field's job is and how much Tony Ressler is involved in this organization? 
Well, I think like any owner, you're going to be involved. Any, people that say owners are not involved, you know, if you own something and you're passionate about it, you want to be up to speed in the things that are going on. I just think in a situation like this, obviously, you know, you're going to listen to your general manager. You're going to have trust in them, but you're also going to be in that room and be involved. So I think, you know, stuff like this, he's he's kept up to speed on. He has to sign off on it. And the general manager, when he wants to make a change, you have to go sit down to the owner and ownership group and state your case on why you want to do something. And obviously, but he made his points and his reason why the owner signed off on it. So the same process should be taken when you de- decide to hire a coach. The general manager should put together an extensive list. Uh, and at some point, when you get it narrowed down to like the top two or three guys, that's when the owner should be brought in and that's when the decision should be made. But I'm with you, John. Again, if, if you decide to go down this road at this point already, then you might as well take your time, interview a list of guys, and make sure you get the right candidate. So let's say the Hawks finish 8-9 somewhere in that mix, and they get into the play-in tournament, and you know maybe they advance, and then you're, lo- you're staring Milwaukee or Boston right in the crosshairs, and I don't think you're going to win that series, and so it's going to be another, you know, technically, I guess, a first-round exit, um, you know, because you're, you're in the first round of the playoffs. What does your gut tell you about is this organization ready to make some wholesale changes or besides the coach, do you think that they kind of stay pat? They, I mean, they've invested a lot of money in these guys. I mean, not just Trey, but DeAndre and John Collins and Capella. Like, they've got a lot of money invested in these guys. What's your gut tell you about if this is a play-in and they get blown out in the first round, what does your gut tell you that they do in the offseason? Well, John, you can, you know, your gut can tell you a lot of things based on what happens, and there's a lot of ifs, but I can tell you this. You're right. They have invested a lot of resources and money into some of this young talent that they have, and, and that's probably one of the reasons they're making a change. That being said, if, if you think the team is underachieving because the coach then you bring a new coach in, you bring a new staff in, you lead this this group intact, you just try to make it better, and then you give them an opportunity to play because if you've really invested that kind of money and you believe, then 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 if you think it was the coach again, you run this, this team back, you just try to make the necessary adjustments. And so I think that's what they're going to do. Look, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, Trey Young, they have some really, really young talent. Sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes we're un- impatient. But if you think it was the coach and now you have, you went through the process of changing the coach, then you should at least give this group another year to find out what your instincts were. Now, let me ask you this. More than, like, the names and stuff like that, you know, we hear all the different names out there. But from a age or philosophy standpoint, one of the things that John Collins said today was, you know, Nate's system and this, that, and the other is probably better for an, an older team. You coach some really young guys over the course of your NBA coaching life. How much of a disconnect is there when you have a young roster? And I think the Hawks are sixth in uh, age and seventh in experience as far as youngest rosters go in the NBA. Does it have to be sort of a, a younger voice? I mean, does – does that factor in when you're talking about getting this thing on track? 
son, that just drives me crazy, a younger voice. So you basically you're saying, okay, we had an experienced coach, and he wanted us to run more of an experienced offense. And then an offense that, I don't know, demanded more of us. But we want a young coach who knows very little, like we do, and then who's going to put very little in. You know how much sense that makes, Don? That makes absolutely no sense at all. Look, it's not about the age of the coach. It's about what the coach wants to bring and what type of system he wants to intact. All right, so when you watch the Hawks play, the first thing I would say to the players is get in the gym and work on your game. If your game is the same as it is when you came into the league, if you're still shooting the same percentages from the same areas on the spot that you did when you first came in the league, then you haven't gotten better. And the Hawks pay this young talent on what they thought they were going to be, on not they were actually done. If you look at the guys that they pay, other than Clint Capella and Trey Young, the other guys, Hunter and Collins, they were paid on potential. So, you know, I kind of cringe when I hear stuff like that. It doesn't make sense to me. Some of the best coaches in all sports are coaches with age, and those coaches kind of evolve. Hmm, how Nick Saban's doing in this new era of football? Let me see. He's kind of kicking everybody's ass, when you think, <laughs> with all that. So I would just say finding the right coach that can put the right system in place, regardless of age, it's not a concern. It's just bringing in the right guy. One thing you have to be careful about when you bring in an extremely young coach that don't know anything, the players also know that. So at some point, you got to have somebody with enough experience to understand what's going on. And for all the people that say, look at what's going on in Boston. Yeah, look at what's going on in Boston. That team is a mature team. you got players who have been deep into the playoffs, the Eastern Conference Finals, and more. And so when you look at the Boston Celtics, those guys are mature. And where did they gain that maturity from? Yeah, Emi Adoka was a young coach as far as how many years he had coached. But you look at all the experience he gained and all the veteran coach that he coached under, and then you look at the, the accountability that he instilled in that locker room and on that team. That's why those young players have responded so Maybe the problem with the Hawks is, is that go your problem? The young players, a, a, a guy stated that one of the key players saying, well, the other coach expected too much of us. Maybe we need a coach that don't expect anything of us. So when you start hearing comments like that, I start hearing excuses. And maybe management, maybe when they get through looking at the coach, maybe they need to start looking and focusing in that locker room at some of the players. Last question for you, Sam. I've got about 30 seconds left. Do you include Trey Young? Consult with Trey Young. He's your Supermax guy. Do you at least listen to his voice as far as maybe who he wants, or, or do you just not factor any of that in? Listen to me carefully, John. As my star player, as my Supermax player, I might would have a, I would probably have a conversation with him about the type of coach that we're looking for, but this is where you got to be careful. Right now, there may be a narrative out there that Trey Young and the coach not getting along, and this is the second time, okay? I would not put Trey in that situation because, again, players need to stay in their lane, management stay in their lane, all right? I would, I might would have a conversation, but if I was Trey Young, I wouldn't want to be near this decision. I want to be like the other 14 guys in that locker room because this is the thing. 
if there's a perception in that locker room that the next coach is hired to satisfy Trey, then what are you going to do about the other 13 guys in that locker room? Last time I checked, you can't win with one guy. So if I was the players, I would stay in our lane and I would let management stay in their lane. And that way you don't want the, you don't want your teammates of your Trey Young thinking that you're in the room deciding who is going to coach that team because trust me, no players want to be on a team if they think there's one particular player running the scene, running the team behind the scenes. Man, he's the best NBA, uh, former NBA coach of the year, Sam Mitchell. Join me here on the waitfor.com hotline. You can check him out on his Twitter page at Sam Mitchell NBA. Sam, as always, my friend, appreciate the time. Thanks so much for, you know, chatting with me here tonight. And uh, let's try to catch up uh, here soon. Well, John, it's always a pleasure, man. I listen to you often, and you take care of yourself, my friend, and let's catch up. All right, John Shuckery, we'll be back. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey.com app.